You are now listening to the Minority Trailblazer podcast. Let the story begin. One time for the lovers, two times for the ladies, three times for the brothers, four times for the babies. Do you love her? 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 One time for the lovers, two times for the ladies, three times for the brothers, four times for the babies. Do you love her? 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 Brown skin, love a brown skin, love a brown. Brown skin, love a brown skin, love a brown. She my brown skin, love a brown skin, love a brown. She my brown skin, love a brown skin. Hold me down. Welcome to the Minority Trailblazer Podcast, and I'm your host Greg Eel, the Culture Change Agent. On this show, we interview young, successful minorities in a variety of fields to educate, empower, and inspire our current and future generation of leaders. And today, we got a show for you, man. First and foremost, I'm excited because this is the debut of the first show produced on the Minority Trailblazer Podcast Network First of four more shows this year, man. So we're going to have your Monday through Friday locked down. However, not however, that's the wrong word. But, yeah, we got the host of it, Tiana Renee on this show, man. This is a legendary podcast. I can't I can't wait to share y'all this episode. Get excited. What I need y'all to do, though, I need y'all to stop what you're doing right now. And either put it in your notepad or if you want to, you can actually put it just in your, in your podcast phone. You can pause it for a second. But type in Cope for the Culture Podcast. Cope for the Culture Podcast. Go ahead, search it. It's the first podcast under the Minority Trailblazer Network imprint. I'm excited about it. I know y'all going to enjoy it. So definitely tune in. It will be broadcasting every Wednesday on all platforms. I I do want to give one side note, though. It's Thursday, May 30th. And iTunes is acting real funny. They rejected the first time. We had to make some changes. We resubmitted it. So if you search it for today, Thursday, May 30th, it may not pop up. But I promise you, by at least early next week, you can find it. However, right now, it's on Spotify, Cope for the Culture. It's on SoundCloud, Cope for the Culture, and all that good stuff. All right? So without further ado, we're going to jump right into the show. And um, just get excited because I got a couple more announcements coming, but that's going to be next week, man. So y'all enjoy the episode. Make sure you leave a review. I'm tell- How we have thousands and thousands of downloads and we got like 279 reviews. Like, no, stop that. Stop what you're doing right now. If you have not left a review on iTunes podcast, Apple podcast, leave a review right now. All right. We need to get the things up to 300 or so by next week. All right. Um, love y'all. I appreciate y'all patience. I appreciate y'all grace. Y'all dominate today. Y'all dominate the day. Remember, y'all dominate the day. And let's get into it. Every time we do a show when somebody's live and direct, it's always a classic. So I'm going to call this show a classic, man. Um, I'm excited, as you can probably tell my voice, because it's been a long time coming. I know probably around, actually, I probably mentioned it in 2018. Matter of fact, let me get to the bio first and let me jump into it. Yo, she is the founder of Healthy Pleasures Incorporated and is a licensed professional counselor in the state of North Carolina. And she's a mental health slash self-care advocate. She's also a social entrepreneur, published author of Letters to a Queen's Soul, The Journey to Queendom, and Two Self-Care Planners. 
She holds a master's degree in clinical mental health counseling from the North Carolina Agricultural and Technical State University. Mental health and self-care is her passion as she has worked in the mental health field since 2008. And she is very aware of the mental health needs in our society. She has a strong desire to be a change agent in the world of mental health and help those in the community heal and grow within themselves one person at a time. Her hope is to assist her community as well as other communities with identifying self-care practices and knowledge to improve and manage the quality of their lives. But in a nutshell, I'm excited, I'm pumped up, and without further ado, I would like to introduce Tiana Renee to the My Know The Trollers podcast. Welcome to the show. Hey. <laughs> Man, I guess, <laughs> as you can tell, it's a mouthful on live. It sounds good like a one-take Jake, but it's never a one-take Jake. <laughs> As you probably should, as you probably would know. I want you to do all my intros, actually, because there was a lot of passion behind that. Yeah, we got we to stir it up. But there's a lot of passion in there, man. You've been working hard. We've been working hard. But you've been working hard on a lot of different things uh, over the last couple months. And I know I wanted to have you on the show, not only to talk about your new podcast, but to really just go behind the scenes um, of your life and the life of, uh, of a therapist. And I know there's many different practices of therapy. Right. So uh, there's not one catch-all. But we've never had a therapist. Oh, no, we haven't. We never had a licensed therapist on the show. For real? So you're the first ever. I don't believe. We may have had... We, nah, we had people that do coaching. Okay. Like life coach. Yeah, life coaching and therapy. I, no, no disrespect to my life coaches, but <laughs> life coaches be trying to slide in with all this stuff. And they're like, they're going to get their water. No, nah, I'm not going to start throwing out degree names, but you get what I'm I saying. Like, it's a difference, right? There is a um, different level of training. Way different level. Um, I'll say that I'll say it like that Like anybody can really Man I've seen 21 year olds Call themselves live coaches You just graduated On an undergrad right. And I'm like Yo that's dangerous But uh, <laughs> that's, ne- that's, that's neither here nor there um, So As we always do We like to start the show off With a quote Or a mantra um, So can you start Can you share with our audience A quote or a mantra That li- you live by And then a story About how you apply that To your everyday life So Let's see my quote would be, to whom much is given, much is required. Mm-hmm. And I say that for me because I used to very much so, and my mom would probably laugh listening to this, but be the person where, like, if the slightest thing happened, it would throw me off and that would be it. Like, the sky is falling, the world is about to end, everything is null and void, you knew this wasn't going to work out that way, et cetera, et cetera. And so, like, just telling myself that all the time, like, this is what you asked for, so stop crying about it. Do what you got to do. Make the differences you can. Control what you can. Because that's my other thing is trying to control everything. And that just reminds me, like, you can't control everything. But also, this is what you asked for. So there's going to be more required of you. Yeah. So tell us a story about how you really, the last time you had to be like, yo, what in the world? Like, this is a, I can't, I can't really control this. But this is what I asked for. You got to bring it um, and live with, live with it. I want to say the podcast, but not in a negative way. Yeah. Like just because we know the backstory behind it and yeah. how things happen and just like jumping into it and saying, OK, like, how is this going to look? I've never done a podcast before. Mm-hmm. I honestly and truly do not like public speaking. Like when I did your live event for me, it uh-huh. was like, OK, <laughs> all right, it's, this is going to be great. It's going to be OK. It's, it's not going to be a problem. But the whole time my heart is beating a thousand miles a minute. So I think like jumping into this and knowing that. Every recording was not going to be perfect. It was going to come mm-hmm. with some hiccups. It's going to come with a bunch of information that you don't know anything about. Because for the most part, y'all led me 
Mm-hmm. And then all I did was record. That's all mm-hmm. I did. Everything else is new to me. I don't know any of the information. I don't know how to move. I don't know how to submit things to it. Yeah. Which is why I hadn't done mine before. Mm-hmm. So I think I told you I started a YouTube channel yeah, that quickly yeah. died. Like, <laughs> it was just like you have to edit. And when you realize you're a one-person team and you have to do everything, and it's like, okay, maybe this isn't what I need to do right now. Like, let me just put a hold on this. And so mm-hmm. I really just went back to social media for the most part. So I say all that to say, I think the podcast mm-hmm. and the recording of that and everything that I could not control and had to relinquish, like, you're not in this by yourself. It's other people doing this with you. Like, you're going to have to take direction and understand that people know what they're talking about and just move forward that way. So that's what it was for me. If I could think yeah, of the most man. recent. Yeah. This is a, uh, as, as you, as you see on a, even on a, a lot level, man, the podcast industry, even just the business industry, it's just a, it's a disgusting place for the first 10 years. For some people, 10 I, years. It's, it's 10 years. I say 10 years, just like in general, because <sighs> there's so many things that are outside of your control but then also too, from from a from a perspective, you try to to manage things. It's like I don't know. I don't know if people come to you with therapy like this, where you try to manage things from, you know, how you would normally manage things. Mm-hmm. But then you're like, well, this is a business, or this is something that I'm I'm leading. So I, you you start to manage it in different ways. Right. Like what would normally be like, all right, cool, we're just gonna adjust this. You start to get politics. You start to just you move different. Right. It's like. Nigga, no, this ain't no big corporation <laughs> yet. Like I operate like this, right? But it's um, it is a, it is a very because I was I was talking to um Sid and Mike last week, and the crazy thing is, it's like yo, we just really felt that it was gonna be really simple. Like once the content, because content is you bang out of content right. two months, right? And then it's like we got in our own head trying to be deep. Like all right, we want to do this, launch <laughs> this, and right this time. Want to do this, want to do that, and then all of a sudden it's like yo, time goes. And everything, what used to be like simple, right. now you second guessing everything else. You like, hold up, what in the world is the stuff we do? So it's a, it, and and nobody thing is once it's released, nobody ever see anything else. None, nobody. And then half the time, nobody ever tell you anything else. So even like when I think about our event in January, which was a phenomenal event, man. Like we had we had put it out in November, then somebody back reneged on the contract. And then December, we put it out. Then it snowed. Yep. And it's like... And now we're it, in January. Every, yeah, we're in January. And I'm like, I don't even want to start in January. But um, but all that being said, I think at the end of the day, and it's, I think, who who said this? A lot of a lot of life is about and certain things. And we'll talk about that deeper into when we get into your segment, is about who stays the longest. And certain things. Certain right. things. Like that can get messy. I, yeah, it can get really messy. But a lot of times in business, though, for the most part, like I said, there's no there's no definites in life in general. Right. But what I've seen specifically in the podcasting space, specifically in the the blogging in this space, the people that stay in the game the longest, the people that don't jump out after a year, jump out after the two years, and in the day, those are people a lot of times left it left there, right? More successful. Um, but before we even jump in, and uh, we're gonna in this podcast, the structure is gonna be a little bit different. I want to go ahead and jump in. To a segment I, I just started called Find the Pulse. So we just kind of want to see where everybody's at uh, before we actually jump into the podcast. So what was the most memorable moment of last week, good or bad? Um, and what did it teach you? Oh, goodness. My weeks run so together now. Like A lot of the times <laughs> I'll wake up and I'm like, what day is it? Oh, okay. It's Wednesday. It's Wednesday. So I'm trying to think last week. Last week was actually a crazy week for me. Um, 
I guess this coming to life for me, because yeah. you know, for and we talked about this for a little yeah. bit. I was like, okay, is how how is this gonna happen? Like, what is yeah. this gonna look like? And so for that to come to the light, for the logo to be finalized, for us to say, okay, we submitted it to all these different platforms, it's gonna happen. This is the plan for next week. For me, it was like, okay, this is all the stuff you've been praying for. Yeah. Because all the people in my circle know I've talked about having a podcast and doing things like that, but I was gonna wait because I was yeah. like, maybe this isn't the time. Let me just chill out for mm-hmm. a little bit. So to have that and know that, because I, I'm just still trying to think about how this happened or how I even ended up on your show <laughs> in the first place. Like, because we've known each other for a long time. You've been yeah. doing this for a long time. Now, granted, I just started with what I was doing back in summer of last year. Oh, well, I, I thought you'd been at it for a little no, while. And it all happened fast for me. So it's like to go from, okay, I submitted my book. I got the thing for publishing. I have it uh-huh. copyrighted. Okay, that's coming out. I have that. Okay, now you have the business. Now you have that. Okay, you have all these things. It happened like do, 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 do. So to be where I'm at now, I'm like, a lot of stuff has manifested for you in the last year. And like, this mm-hmm. is one of the top things that you wanted to do to be able to talk about mental health and for it to be in a platform where people receive it. Mm-hmm. So for me, that was like, okay, this, okay, you came back up now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, th- th- yeah. We're here now. <laughs> so with that being said, what is, what does uh, success mean to you? Like in general? Uh, well, one, I don't like to lose. So if I... <laughs> I would say winning in life, but that can mean so many different things. And I've grown a lot in the last year. So I feel like what my definition would have been is not my definition now. What what was it like last year? Last year? Well, I've been working on patience. Um, So for me, I used to expect things to happen really fast. Like it's supposed to happen when I want it to happen. Like right now, like I shouldn't have to wait for this. Why do I Mm -hmm. have to wait? And so now to have grown to the space where things take work, like to whom much is given, much is required. You have to put in the work to do this. And so... For me, I guess success now means it makes me think about my first event that I had mm-hmm. and seeing people being open and receptive to the things that your anxiety told you people were never going to listen to. Mm. And so to be in a space where no, where I know that I've been trusted to talk about and spread knowledge and to help other people who don't have this knowledge for me is like, that means more than money or anything. Now, granted, I want to make money. Yeah. But <laughs> to be able to put knowledge out there that I know could potentially heal communities and people, that means a lot to me. So I think now that's what I would say success is. But probably last year it'd be like, oh, getting the job I want or doing the things that I want to do and the way that I want to do them. And now it's like, no, like. Your passion is your purpose. And so if you can live out your purpose, then you've been successful. What what, what changed? Because one year is a long time to make that kind of change. Time. I mean, it, actually, no, it's actually a short time to have that a, a complete change in mind shift about success. Like that's a, a big metric. So it, can you speak to one thing or was it a multitude of things that changed over the last year? It was a lot of things. And it's not just last year. I think just last year, though, I decided like, okay, that it has to be different. You can't mm-hmm. keep carrying on the patterns and being the person that you were. Not to say that I was a bad person, but I wasn't a perfect person. Still mm-hmm. not. But there were a lot of things for me that I had to come to terms with, especially my own toxicness. Mm-hmm. But I think the biggest thing that sparked the change for me is being by myself, which sounds weird. But for a long time, like I was a serial relationship person like all the time like oh no I got oh Tiana I always got a boyfriend whatever but then for me it was like after my last it was so toxic that I was just like I I just need to be in a space where I figure out where I'm at Mm -hmm. and so for a year like I just 
kept to myself. I would I would go out, I would enjoy myself, but for the most part, it was me in my apartment by myself, which is how I actually finished my book finally, because it was like, you have the time now. Mm-hmm. It's just you in this apartment, so you might as well get to growing. Um, and so I would journal a lot and just a lot of self-reflection, therapy, of course. So I think just really committing to myself to be in a space of growth, I think is what changed mm. and being serious about that. Because for a long time, I'm like, oh, I grew a little bit, but I'm still angry and I'm still the person who will snap on somebody in a second. But now it's like, let me think about that. That's probably not appropriate to say that to that person. Um, so that's where I'm at now. Nah, that's that's deep. That's deep. That's that's a yeah. That's deep. That's too deep for the intro. <laughs> right. Good go, man. What you I mean, asked? <laughs> damn. All right, so let's jump right in. So, cult for the culture. Um, outside of this being on your mind to have your own platform for for a few years to kind of just share your your truths on certain things. Why the name? And and can and can you break down to our audience that um is new to you what the cult for the cult cult for the culture podcast is, and then also why you chose that name. So Coat for the Culture podcast is a podcast that was created to be able to discuss mental health specifically in black and minority communities. Um, We all know, at least us sitting here in this room and most people listening, that we don't discuss mental health the way that we need to. We are good for pressing on and just keep going because things will get better even when they don't and not addressing that certain things that have happened to us either as a child or as an adult that we haven't addressed are still bothering or causing distress in our everyday life. And we just chop that up to, oh, that's just who I am. That's just my personality. Or if you're going to be around me, you have to deal with this and just making excuses. I don't want to say excuses because that sounds bad, but making an active decision not to address the things that we need to address. So I figured why not create a space? Because I know for me, When I've had events and I've been transparent and opened up a conversation where people were able to share, like at your event in January, I had no idea that it would have the reaction that it had. So being in that space and just from the events I've held on my own and hearing what people are going to say or have said, it's just knowing that all they need is somebody to start the conversation. They -hmm. just need to hear that one thing that says, oh, it's not just me going through this. There are other people, too, who are dealing with this. Mental health is not a one person thing. Like mm-hmm. all of us are dealing with mental health, whether we have a diagnosis or not. Mental health just means wellness of your mind. And so just normalizing that for people and not carrying the stigma of crazy. Oh, you're crazy. Because if we mm-hmm. look at the news, it'll give you every reason not to want to address your mental health. Because mm-hmm. when it comes to school shooters or just mass murder or anything like that, it's like, oh, that person is crazy. Oh, that per- oh they, they had mental health issues or oh, their upbringing was this and this and that. Mm-hmm. And so knowing that that's the narrative we have for mental health, that. Nobody wants to get help for that because yeah. I'm not going to go and admit that I'm dealing with these things. So now maybe I'm going to become a serial killer. Like nobody wants to do that. Um, so that's why I decided to have that for the topic for the podcast. But as far as like the title, I just want to normalize that it's okay to identify that something's going on and learn how to cope with that. Like if we can cope as a culture, if we can develop more healthy patterns as family, healthy communication, healthy relationships, better practices of how we just operate in daily life that we can really change the narrative of what our culture has painted to be. Because we know Mm. the names, we know the stigmas that are associated with us as black and minority communities. And so if we have the opportunity to say, it don't have to look like that. Like we don't have to be broken. Yes, the world has given us every reason to be, but that doesn't have to be us now. And Mm. so that's where I was like, okay, well, let's cope for the culture then. So that's where that came from. 
and break down a couple topics that uh that you discussed on that you, that you discussed on season one because I found the opportunity to listen to a, few, a lot of episodes behind the scenes and we touch on some or you touch on rather a lot of different topics mm-hmm. have a lot of different perspectives and it's going to shed a lot of views but can you just give our audience real quick a taste on what they can expect um, as far as the topics they're going to discuss just in season one alone so for season one I went very broad like with yeah. the topics. Yeah. And I did that with the thought of, okay, in season two, I can break these down and go into different paths with them. Um, But some of the things that we talked about and the thing that's just coming up in my mind because Mother's Day this past is the strong black mother episode. We all have a black mom for the most part, if you Mm -hmm. are a black. Um, But just the expectations that we've put on the matriarchs of our family, the people who keep us running and to make them feel like their only job in this world is to be a mother. (laughs) <laughs> it's hateful like that's mean to do and if you don't live up to that it's like oh well you're not this and you're not that or I do my kids this way or I parent this way and not recognizing that parents are still people mm-hmm. and so we have the strong black mother episode we have an episode around the pressure to provide because I think our brothers don't get enough credit mm-hmm. like every black man is not a deadbeat dad every mm-hmm. black man does not deserve to be on child support and I'm probably gonna get shot for saying that but like mm-hmm. it just because a relationship does not work does not mean mm-hmm. now you have the opportunity to make this person's life hell. Like it's just not fair. And so being able to talk about that from both perspectives and the mental health that goes into that. Um, mm. A lot of the episodes are a little heavy, actually. They, a lot. Uh, yeah. But I mean, it's, it's, it's uh, why was uh, outside, of course, we influenced a little bit of it. But why, why do you think in this day and age where it's easy and a, um, especially in this, this era we're in, to kind of do a, a little soft touch on the self-help thing um, to dig deeper than w- within most would do on certain topics. Why is it helpful? Yeah, why is it helpful? Why you choose that? Because, I mean, um, I think you definitely talked about it on, on, on one episode where self-help, wind down Wednesdays, and, and a lot of things, and no disrespect to those things, um, but a lot of times they just they massage the front but never the inside. So why did you choose to... Dig deeper than most in some of the stuff because I ain't gonna lie, some of the episodes, man, just like it get, tears right, flowing. It get like, heavy. <laughs> but if you think about it, and this is what I tell clients that have a hard time, like some of the darkest, scariest, hardest moments of my life are the areas that I have grown the most. And there's no way that you can grow by addressing things on a surface level. Like you always have to figure out what the root is. Just like A lot of people don't know that anger is a surface emotion. There's always something underneath anger. So just like that, like you have to peel away the layers if you're going to grow and you can't just stay in a mindset where it's like, oh, well, sometimes I do this wrong or sometimes I address things this way and just, okay, that's it. Not like, where did I get this communication pattern from? Who or what have I been through that now causes me to react the way that I react to people? We don't do that. We outsource Mm. everything. We like to blame other people. Oh, it's not me. I'm mm-hmm. perfect. I know that was me for a long time because I told you a serial relationship person. Oh no, I was I was the good girlfriend. It was me. And then it's like, oh, your attitude was terrible. Like <laughs> mm. you can go off in zero to one second. Like that's not appropriate. That's not helpful. Oh, you can sh- really shut down when you don't want to talk anymore. How does that make the other person feel on the other side? And so I think the deeper we get into topics and stop just looking at things from a surface level, the more things are going to change. And so that's why I chose, even though they are heavy and some yeah. ones you make, <laughs> I apologize in advance, but there are conversations that need to be had. Mm. So 
for the general listener that's going to be tuning in, um, what do you, what, do, what if you had to say one thing, not like a specific thing, but what, what do you want them to get from your show and the things that you produce? Self-awareness. I think it's the biggest thing on my journey to self-awareness. I'm like, everybody come with me. Like, we can all do this together. (laughs) But no, being self-aware and recognizing the things about yourself that could use to grow or change is what I want people to see. Like, I'm not trying to make people live the life that I live or paint Mm -hmm. this picture that life is great and life is perfect. And if you just address your mental health, then everything will be great all the time. No, because that's not how life works. Like, things still come up. Mm-hmm. I think about when I did the episode around grief mm-hmm. and up until that point, I was so ready to do that episode. And then something happened where I got a phone call where it was like, oh, the dad that you don't really have a relationship with might die. And it's like, oh, well, how do I handle this? Oh, it's just great. I'll just cope with this. But it's like, no, there are a lot of feelings that go with that. You really have to sit in this and recognize your truth. So I think just if people can hear something that will trigger them to think about their own life and the things they are doing and the things that have affected them and how they can begin the process of changing that. Cause the show is not a substitute for therapy yeah. by any means. It's just a, these are the things that are going on in our culture. Let's talk about them. What does that look mm-hmm. like for you versus what does that look like for me? And how do we start working on that? Mm. That's what I want people to get. That's great. And do you often see at times where, Say, for instance, for the people like for a long time, ah, for, for a little too long that I would like to share, I didn't, I, and not that I didn't believe in therapy, but I was like, well, I, I, I let a cause factor in between. Even when I had big bread, I was like, what? what? I was like, what? No, nah, <laughs> right. I can't. It's too much. Right. You always think it's way too much. Mm-hmm. And then, but also too, um, a lot of times, life, sometimes life can change for the better. Mm-hmm. And then that certain problem tends to go away. And you think that you just cope with it better. Right. But then when life changes, circumstances change, you realize the problem never left. Right. You just so, learn how to deal with it from this era of what you're like. Think about how you change. From, and we've talked about this a lot. Yeah. Like 19-year-old Greg versus 24-year-old Greg to 30. Like those are going to be completely different. How you would have handled it then is going to look different now versus how you would have handled it in that middle phase. And so when I think about it, I just think being in that space. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nah, because the reason why I say that, even now, I thought about, like, the way I handled, like, pressure situations at 26, Um, then 27, 28, stuff just opened up. I was, for the most part, um, it was all cyclical, but stuff opened up, and I was like, yo, shoot, I don't run away from pressure no more. Mm -hmm. I'm ready for the smoke. Mm -hmm. And then now... I'm doing a lot better now, but still, there are days where I'm like, I don't want to be, I, I turn my phone off. I'm like, yo, I can't deal right. with it. And I'm like, no, I thought I already, this, I, that's, right. that's good. I done, I done talked to people about it. I done sat down, reflected. So what, so is that why the push is to consistently, not only consistently with therapy, but consistently be in a perpetual state of growth? Mm-hmm. Because, uh, can, can you speak to that a little bit? Because, I mean, I know there's things that you probably... Um, all right, boom, last year, anger, we we, we on top mm-hmm. of that. Then all of a sudden you look and then next day you snapping at somebody, yeah. you're like, what in the world? Right, like I was doing good until you said something to me, but it's like, <laughs> no, you still struggle a little bit uh-huh. to deal with that. But I think the thing for me and the people in my immediate circle can tell you, and my therapist, I struggle with like things just not, or just being hypercritical of myself. That's the word I use. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it's like, oh, I've grown from this. And something will come up that'll spark and be like, nah, you still need a little tweak over here. And then it's like, see, here we go. Like, it's always this. It's always that. Instead of being like, growth is an ever-growing, ever-changing process. 
just because mm-hmm. you grow this way and mm-hmm. this time frame does not mean 10 years down the line when things change and the similar things come up that you're mm-hmm. not still going to have certain things around that and recognizing that you just have to be consistent. Mm-hmm. Be consistent. Like that's the most I can say and recognize that you're going to have hiccups. You're not ever going to be a perfect person. Mm-hmm. Like for me, the thing my therapist keeps telling me is you can be angry. Like you're allowed to be angry. It's how you handle the anger that becomes the issue. And so for me, mm-hmm. it's like, okay, sit in this, but also manage how you talk to that person. Maybe not give that facial expression because my face gives away everything. <laughs> Maybe just be quiet for a little bit and hear what that person is saying before you go off the handle because you heard that one thing that was offensive to you. So just like mm-hmm. being mindful of, okay, once I commit myself to doing this, I have to recognize this is a lifelong process. Ah, uh, it's a lifelong, lifelong, lifelong process. Which makes it That's, scary for people. Yeah. It's like, oh, I can't just change and just be changed. No. Like mm-hmm. It's like when you pray... For those of us who believe, but when you pray for certain things and then it presents itself as like, are you ready for this? Okay, let's see if you're ready. Let's throw mm-hmm. this in here. Oh yeah, okay, you still responding like that a little bit, but this is what you asked for. So, okay, let's continue to grow. Because mm. I think like for every year that I've said, this is the year that I'm going to do this. So like last year was the year of peace. Mm-hmm. When I say everything and they mama and the apocalypse and everything <laughs> just started coming at me and I was like, what is this? I said that it, this was going to be the year of peace. And it's like, peace is what you make it. Like, how do you navigate life with all of this other stuff going on? Because just because you ask for peace doesn't mean that the world is going to stop coming. They're going to keep coming. This year I asked for healing. Okay, cool. <laughs> you, oh, you want to keep going? Okay, great. Oh, you want to be patient? Okay, here you go. Here's some more stuff to test that out for you. So just, that's, it's just going to be lifelong. And you have to commit yourself to say, okay, this is what it's going to look like. And I just have to accept it. And speaking of finding a therapist, because I know I've, I've I, even after your event, there's been a variety of friends that originally after reached out, yeah, I'm gonna get a therapist, and then it's 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 been a long journey finding the right one, mm-hmm. and then they create other barriers about finding. Oh, she need to do this, she need to yep. do that, or I can only work with it. It's just so. What is your thoughts, or, or what do you tell people? You typically that um, that they're on the, they're they're past the stage of all right. I know I'm gonna find a therapist, mm-hmm. but now they create a whole bunch of roadblocks. And, and and some of these roadblocks are legit mm-hmm. because you want to find somebody. So what do you what do you say to those people as far as finding one, finding the right one? Is there a right one? Do you mix and match? Sometimes does it happen where you start off with one and then it don't work out? You you, you should you try them or should you just stay in the sideline so you find the perfect one? I will say that I don't think that there will ever be a situation where you find the perfect therapist as much as I think you'll find the therapist that works for you and what you need at that time. Because even when I, because I've been to therapy on and off. Um, when I went to grad school, they made us like, oh, you want to be a therapist? Okay. Before you graduate, you have to do this many sessions because you have to acknowledge your own stuff before you sit on the couch and try to help somebody else. Okay, cool. I'll do that. So just doing it on and off. But I think for a while, I felt like I just had to have who they gave me and not mm-hmm. who was my choice. So now when I went back to find therapy, I was like, okay, for me, I want a black therapist. Mm-hmm. Everybody has the right to choose that. Like everybody has a preference, but also someone who I feel like has the skill and has the expertise to manage what I'm dealing with because every therapist has something that they work with. Mm-hmm. So just having that. But I also think being open, because I think a lot of people assume that when you go to therapy, the therapist is going to give you the answers and they're not. Mm. They're going to give you the questions and they're going to give you the information to help you find it. But they're not oh, going to outright say, okay, look, <laughs> this is what's happening. Now, sometimes it will be a situation where it's like, okay, this is what I'm seeing. 
Mm-hmm. Or, okay, you say that. Tell me more about that. Okay, well, mm-hmm. a little while ago, we talked about such and such. How do you think that relates to that? So, like, just recognizing that it's not going to be a situation where you come and sit down and they're going to say, okay, Greg, this is what I see and this is what you should exactly do. It's like, no, let's figure out the root. Where did this come from? When did you start dealing with this? Oh, what's your upbringing? Where were your parents like? Like, what were all these things that happened to you? Did you have any trauma in your life? Like, they're not, you're not just going to get the answers. And I think people assume like, oh, well, my therapist didn't help me because they didn't tell me what to do. They're not supposed to. Mm, So it it requires a lot of work too. Yeah, and that's why I said self-awareness is what I want people to get because the more self-aware you become, the more you're able to answer those questions. And that's where the therapist comes in. Mm. to ask you things that you haven't considered. Like even for me as a therapist, when I went back, the one thing my therapist asked me recently that stumped me and I'm just sitting there looking at her like, this is the hardest question I've ever been asked in my life. And the question was only, what are the things that you can control in life? Because I told you I want to control everything. Yeah. But what are the things that you can control? So I'm like, hmm, what are those things that I can control? And like really sitting there like, okay, this, Okay. I need to think mm. about this. So also recognizing that a lot of therapy happens outside of therapy because you mm. only go to therapy for one hour a week or every other week in my case. So you have to do some work outside of that to figure out where you want to get. Mm. So from your training, your own just thoughts, what do you, where's the fine line between, because I know one push is for people to really engage and have activate a lot of their friendships to have a real conversation. Mm-hmm. But what is the, the line between, okay, we don't have servicey conversation with my friends no more. We have we have real dialogue. Mm-hmm. If I'm going through something, I talk openly about X. Right. But then what's the what's the the, the line between being open with my friends and then no, you need to be a ther- you need to go to therapy. Cause some may say, well, shoot, I have now I'm developed honest relationship with my friends, we're doing this. But what is the what is it? Is there a per- proverbial um line? And 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 do you are you one of the people that say certain friends should just be like one or two in this circle or yeah, like, like what's your thoughts on that I'm laughing because I would be before I got to where I am now I was a person where oh I can just talk to my mom or I can talk to this person or that person and I'll be fine but a lot of the time why it's more helpful to go talk to a therapist is because they don't know you if you're going and seeking advice from people who know you, they know your quirks, they know how you react to situations, they know how you were five, six, seven years ago, they know mm-hmm. what you said to this person, like mm-hmm. they know everything about you. So it's going to be very hard for them to give you unbiased advice or to help you through a situation where they may already have their understanding of you and, oh, you probably handled it this way because of X, Y, and Z, where it's like, no, I don't need that. I need to figure out why, like for the real. Mm-hmm. And so I think, having a combination of having a village and having people that you can go to, but also recognizing that your village cannot solve all your problems and it's not their job to. Mm. We're all dealing with our own individual stuff. Yes, it's okay to gather support and have that, but you can't expect them to manage and run your life and help you out with everything because they can't. Mm. We all have our own things going on. And so I know now, at least for my people in my friend group, and I keep saying this because I hope other people will too, and I've seen it, which is why I started doing it, is asking people what they can handle that day. Because you Mm -hmm. may ask me something, but somebody may have died today and I can't really help you because I'm not even in the mind space to help myself. Mm -hmm. And if you ask, then you'll know that versus just assuming that, okay, this is my person. Whatever I have to throw at them, they're ready, regardless of what's happening. And just having the entitlement, I guess is what I'll say. Mm-hmm. We are a society of entitlement and we deserve and we we have this. So I'm going through this. So you should listen. No, I, I don't have to if I can't handle that today. Mm. Like I'm struggling in my own area. So 
let me get back to you tomorrow because I, I yeah. can't do this today. So I think it's just a combination of both. Like you can share, but also mm-hmm. you might need somebody else to help you through that. Mm. So with that being said, let's let's uh let's actually take a step back and let's jump into um a little bit about yourself. Like what was your childhood like? <laughs> and where you're from? So I am originally, well, let's say born in Rhode Island. A lot of people mm-hmm. don't know that. I used to hate telling people that. I don't know why. It used to bother me. Like, oh, where are you from? Oh, I'm from such and such. I would hate it. But it's probably because I don't know anything about it. Like, I was there until I was two. Mm-hmm. And then we moved to Virginia Beach. Mm-hmm. And I was in Virginia Beach until the 10th grade. And then I moved to Durham. Um, but as far as, like, childhood, single parent home, single mom, um, saw my dad here and there. Didn't really have a relationship with him. So, of course, daddy issues with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think given the circumstances and being with or being in a home where I had a single parent and she was doing everything that she could do, which is a lot of reason why I did the strong black mother episode, because I've seen it firsthand. Um, but I think I had a pretty good upbringing considering those things. Like my mom made, always made sure we had something to do. We were involved in activities. I played the violin up until the eighth grade. A lot of people don't know that. <laughs> um, <laughs> I danced all the way up until college. My minor mm-hmm. for a long time was dance and then I dropped that. Yeah. So for I'm trying to think. And my mom always gets mad. Cause she's like, you never remember the happy stuff from your childhood. You only remember the negative stuff. Like she'll ask me stuff. I'm like, mm-mm. I don't remember that. <laughs> oh, but I remember that car accident though. Or I remember yeah. when we were in the car and this happened. Or I remember that day. And she's like, why don't you, like, I broke my back for y'all. Why you don't remember this stuff? And yeah. I'm just like, so it's kind of how trauma works sometimes. Is that that's all I can remember? So I'm sorry. Uh-huh. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, that was my upbringing. So what would you, was there anything as far as, because you know your mentality and middle school, high school and early adulthood. Because mm-hmm. I think, I don't know. Is there scientific data about when we really become our our true beings in a sense? Because what I wanted the question I wanted to ask was, um, what do you think shaped you the most during your earlier years of life? I guess earlier years. I'm talking about early up to like 25. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you was it a situation or was it a mindset? If you had to put a name on it or put something on it, what do you think shaped you the most? Now you're making me feel how I told you my therapist made me feel. Um, let's see. I know your mom listening like, dang, I just I just asked for the happy moments and now, <laughs> and now you want to bring back. She, she about to go to <laughs> Oh, what shaped me? Let's see. I mean, you you get raised different when you're raised by a single mom because they see the world different. Like you have to survive, you have to make it. You can't rely on anybody. Like my mom is the most you you need something she got you you need to research something she know this oh you need a resource okay we can just figure it out like that's how she's always been so that's how she tried to like navigate me but I was also always a very emotional anxious kid like I worried about everything mm-hmm. like the worst thing that's gonna happen is gonna happen today and it's gonna be only me that it happens to and my mom's like Tiana like the sky is not falling it's gonna be okay this is how we're gonna manage that so even now when I'm dealing with something I call it like okay mom this is what's happening. Like, what do I do? Okay, do mm-hmm. X, Y, and Z. So I think she definitely had like a huge impact on that and just making sure I knew everything. Like she made me change the oil with her one time because you may not have a man to do it for you. So you're going <laughs> to wow. figure this out. Now. Your mom was out here changing yes, oil? changing oil. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you want to know how to fix a tire? Okay, let's fix this tire. Let's do like, she was that person. You want to apply for financial aid? Okay, I'll help you. But then you're going to have to learn how to do it by yourself. 
oh, you want a job? No, I can't call the job for you. You have to call. And this is what you say. So her always doing that. But I think, too, for a long time, I was so angry about my dad not being involved that it was like, oh, no, I have to be successful. Like, this is who I'm going to be because I'm going to prove that I didn't need you to do any of these things. And oh, look here. I didn't need you. So I think the combination of those two and navigating that is probably what shaped me a lot because it's even like to this, I remember around the first time, because it was a long time that I did not talk to him. I mean, even as a kid, he it was like literally every two years he was in and out. I remember the first time I met him outside of being a toddler was at a basketball game. Like he just showed up and I'm like, <laughs> I was like, do you know who this person is? I'm like, yeah, that's, that's my dad. Uh-huh. And so like the abandonment of always like, oh, you're here one day and the next day you're not. And okay, now there's a whole period of time where I don't talk to you. And so I think when I got to college, it was right around one of the times, definitely college because MySpace was still a thing. Yeah. He would um, send me messages and I remember like- He was on MySpace? Yes. <laughs> one of the messages like that he would send me and I feel so anxious talking about this because I'm like, dang, when people hear this stuff and I'm talking, but it's also my story too, so I'm gonna talk about it. But he would say things like- um, a lot like what he did as a father or who he was as a father and I'm like what no I did this like or no my mom helped me well your mom and so it was just always like navigating that ridiculous triangle um that put me in a place where it's like I have to be successful no matter what like I have to break generational curses because this is not going to be the situation for my family like I'm very strict on that now like no my kids are going to be raised in a two-parent home it's going to be functional we're going to be happy like I'm not going to beat my kids. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. Because like my mindset is so, it has to be different for them. Like mm-hmm. we don't have to raise broken families. It does not have to be that way. And so coming from one and seeing what it looks like and the pain that goes into that for everybody, from my mom to my dad, because even with him, I'm recognizing now within my growth that he's still a person too. And mm-hmm. he still had to navigate his own life and his own abandonment and what that looked like for him. So now he in turn became that same person. And so now Mm -hmm. I have to navigate that. But for me, it's like, okay, no, it's going to be different. Mm -hmm. So having all those different things for me is like, this is what my life is going to look like. And this is what I would like it to look like, because this is what you went through. And this is Mm -hmm. not what you want for the future generation. Nah, that's, uh, hey, can't say any better. (laughs) So uh, what, what, which college you go to again? So I went to UNCG for undergrad and then Uh A&T for grad. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So what led you into becoming a therapist? Like, did you grow up saying, because I know no. you were in dance and, and you you were a firecracker I of was. sorts in high school. Um, but what what even led you to therapy? Like, what, what, what led you down that to direction? Th- so, yeah. up until my sophomore year of college, I wanted to be a pediatrician and was on the track to do so. Mm-hmm. And then I got to things like organic chem and Ooh, that like the ball stuff right there. there where it's like, oh, this requires math. And I'm I'm not all that <laughs> great in math or I struggle with this. And so having a conversation with my advisor, I will never forget this. And she was just like, so medical school is very competitive. Yeah. Um, and your grades, I mean, they're nice, but they're not competitive. So is this what you want to do? And I'm like. This is what I want to do. This is what I told my family. Like everybody's mm-hmm. banking on me becoming a doctor. No, this is definitely what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. And so then I was like, well, she's like, well, if it is, then you have to do this, this and this before you graduate. And I was like, that sounds impossible because I have already <laughs> felt chemistry at this point and I don't know what else to do. So I talked to her about like what the different options were. 
And she asked me what was a class that I took that I really like. And it was a human development class that I took. Um, so she was like, okay, well, what did you like about it? And I told her like, just the aspect of knowing how things work, how people develop, um, different things with relationships, stuff like that. And she said, okay, well, you know, you can major in that. So I majored in human development and family studies. So before I grad, I had to switch advisors, of course, because I switched that. So when I got my new advisor, I said, okay, if I do this, what can I do? Mm-hmm. And so he gave me all these different options and therapy came up at one point, but I still wasn't like, oh yeah, I'm gonna definitely do therapy. It was like, well, I'm gonna help children in some way. I don't know what that's going to look like, but this is what I'm going to do. Um, so by the time I graduated, I was like, I've been in school way too long. So I'm uh-huh. gonna take a break. <laughs> uh-huh. So I took a semester off and actually my line sister, which is funny. She um, told me about the program cause she applied to it. And I was like, Hmm. That don't sound bad. Let me look more into that because I've already done internships outside of um, the major that I had before. When I would go home during the summer, I was working in the field because one of my aunts owned a group home. My mom was a manager at a group home. So I already had that lens since high school. Like I knew what it looked like. So I started doing contract work for that. And I was like, well, I kind of like this. So let me see. Um, So I decided to major in it. And then it was like, okay, yeah, no, I can definitely do this because if I can help other people change what I saw for myself and for my brother and for other kids who probably could have had a different opportunity, if I can Mm -hmm. be the person to help at least plant that seed so it'll look different for them, I'll do that. Because I used to believe, and I'm back and forth with it most days, that it's easier to help grow and change a child because of where they are developmentally than it is an adult. Because your brain stops developing at 25. Like Mm. it's fully developed at 25. So you have up until that time to kind of try to figure it out. Whereas, you know, as adults, we're stuck in our way. Oh, this is how I always been. I ain't changing. Everybody loves me the way I am. No, (laughs) (laughs) it's not functional. It's not helpful. Um, So just having that mindset and saying, okay, I always wanted to help children, but I can help them in a different way. It doesn't Mm -hmm. have to be through medicine. Mm -hmm. So that's when I went to therapy. Mm. So now you've been in, you've been a licensed therapist for how long now? So I got my license in November of 2014 because you have to get an associate license until you get in total, it's like 3000 hours and they break it down in between direct and indirect hours which essentially just means you sat in front of a person versus making calls and doing 3,000 hours. Yeah. Is that real? Like 3,000. So average, it can take you around two years, but it can take you more. And then I got my full license two years. Is it two years ago? Yeah, because my license is expiring next month. So I've had Mm. my full license since December of 2017. Mm. So what did they teach you? Like, not what did they teach you? That's a, uh, not a, that's not the question. Um, <laughs> what did they teach you? <laughs> what are a few things that that you know now that you never would have thought that would have been like involved with therapy, this whole journey, et cetera? Because every career has, oh, I want to be a professional speaker. Mm-hmm. Then you realize like you may spend first two years speaking for free and all riding. Oh, I want to be a podcaster. And then first, first year you're in this network, they're just funneling around. They're just figuring stuff yeah. out. Like there's a lot of different things. So what is something that... In your journey as a therapist, um, now I was like, whoa, I didn't know this was a part of this even job Um, that they do not tell you about. It's many things, but I think the biggest thing recently that has been mind-blowing, I want to say another word, but I'm not going to say it. (laughs) Mind-blowing for me is 
somebody else's problem or struggle or situation if you hear it long enough can trigger some things of your own mm. um and i find myself a lot and i think it's because i'm doing more trauma work now so a lot of the stuff is real deep or a lot of the stuff is like oh this happened to me as a kid and forgot about it and it's like oh wait this sounds familiar okay now i have to deal with this because you're making me remember my own stuff but i'm trying to help you Mm -hmm. So I think the biggest thing is being a therapist does not make me exempt to being human, mm -hmm. which is a misconception, too, because one of my biggest pet peeves is for somebody to look at me and say, but you're supposed to be a therapist. And what does that mean? Mm -hmm. Like, yes, I help people every day, but it's a different thing to help somebody else than to sit in your own truth. Completely different things. So being in the position I am now, I've had to hear a lot of things that I didn't realize would have such an effect on me. Like I'm hearing kids talk about which it bothers me, but I, I didn't think it would be a situation where sometimes I go home and it's like, dang. And I think about it and I'm crying for a kid that I, this is not my kid, but I've worked with you long enough where it's like your pain has come my pain a little bit mm -hmm. because I feel for you. And I'm a huge empath anyway. So I really pick up on other people's feelings and their emotions and how things affect them. So I've really had to be conscious about you can give too much of yourself and now you have to deal with all of that. Mm, because your emotional container is over full now and now you don't even have anything left for yourself so now you're going home every night and you're crying because you listen to all this stuff all day but you still have to deal with your own stuff mm, and they they teach you stuff in school to deal with it but how is no, it really a, applying they, they don't so i've i've been talking a lot to people in the field about this recently they touch on like vicarious trauma which just means somebody else's trauma becomes your like you take on the feelings and the pain of somebody else's trauma or compassion fatigue where you just care so much about at least the client or what they're going through that it starts to weigh on you heavily like you're just too compassionate they tell us all those things but they don't say how like i don't think anybody said okay some days it may look like this mm -hmm. some days you may cry some days you may feel angry some days you may not want to see this person. Some days this person, like they don't tell you all. It's like, okay, we touched on it. Moving on. Mm -hmm. It's like, but no, like even in me being trained as a trauma therapist, I asked at one of our um, like in-person trainings, okay, what do we do when we're starting to experience secondary trauma? And now I'm traumatized as if it's my own. And I never went through that. Oh, well, you practice self-care and you do this. And it's like, right. But what does that look like? Like who helps the therapist deal with this stuff? So now as a therapist, you have to find your own therapist, but one who knows how to deal with a therapist because every therapist does and know how to do that. So it gets mad complex. Get, yes. Mm. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I can only imagine because um, also when you first started, you did you. I know they probably tell y'all against it, but in your head, hold yourself. I mean, because you're when you're constantly not even getting advice, but you're giving other people questions mm -hmm. and other things, specifically if you're dealing with children, how how hard is it when you make a, a wrong, especially if you're already super critical of yourself, now you make a wrong decision. You're like, hold up. I'm just I just counseled somebody yesterday about maybe the dangers of yep. of 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 drugs or or this mm -hmm. or dangers of listening to blah, blah, blah. Right. And all of a sudden you do the so how do you, do you kind of slice it or be? It depends on the day, to be honest. Yeah. Some days it's like, okay, Tiana, you're still human. These things are still going to come up. And other mm -hmm. days it's like, you know better. 
Uh-huh. You talk about this every day. You tell people <laughs> how to control their own mindset. You know you have power over your thoughts, but here you are thinking this stuff or, oh, you're really angry and you're sitting in this anger a little too long. You talk to somebody about this. So for me, it's like, okay, be compassionate to yourself mm. because you're going to drive yourself crazy. And I think that's where I am now is I'm overgrowing. Mm-hmm. And it's just like you have, it takes time. Like nothing is going to happen overnight. It takes time. Just chill. It's going to mm-hmm. be okay. Yes, you're helping people, but that doesn't change the fact that you still have to help yourself and somebody else has to help you through that. Mm-hmm. It's, so, it's tough. So that's why we all really as humans, that's why we all in it together. To be yeah. honest, we all play a major role because uh, then there's some people that lack empathy. They just forget everything. Yes. And then there's people that over empathize. Yeah. Then people that this it's just a constant mm-hmm. battle. Push and pull. Yeah. Mm. So now when does and I know you talk about it in depth on the, on the podcast and um, all my listeners, they're nuanced enough to know it. But I would be reminiscent if I didn't. Uh, I'll probably use that word wrong. <laughs> but uh, if I didn't mention it. But now with the the onboard of social media, mm-hmm. do they train people for? Because I mean, now it's still kind of early, so the, the the research on social media is probably still a little bit na- not naive, but like short on it. But how how in this age where you you have people deal with a lot, is it is the problems triggered by social media? Are these fundamental problems that always existed already, and this bigger, or is this a whole new phenomenon that? people in the mental health space and stuff have to attack and find different ways to to go with it as far as comparison, as far as jealousy, as far as um, always constantly yourself. It's mm-hmm. just, I don't know. Social media enhanced everything. Like we know history constantly repeats itself. But now we have to think about it repeating itself and now we have it broadcasted everywhere. Whereas before you couldn't find certain things or you, if you talked about certain things to certain people, you didn't have to worry about it being posted for the world to see like that's new. And that makes everything a different ball game. Mm-hmm. Cause when you consider things like cyberbullying or the fact that we decide, and I was just having this conversation yesterday, just because somebody posts something or does something does not give us the entitlement to be judge and jury for people. And that's what we have assumed as a society. And that's why things are just, excuse my language, it's, gone to shit. It's getting out of it's control. It's getting out of control because yeah. people like, and people laugh at me and I don't care. I report like I report people now because y'all need to cut it out. Stop talking about people. And if I get I have to report you too much, I just don't need to follow you anymore because I don't need to see this. And you're obviously not going to change. Let me just get out of here. But I definitely think technology has made everything a thousand times worse than what it was. We just weren't seeing these things. They were around just like sexual assault and rape is not Mm -hmm. new. It's been happening forever. But now we have cameras to record it or now we have more information where people are coming out about it or people are posting stuff on the Internet that is just it's not new. We're just talking about it more now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think just having more access and more knowledge or lack of knowledge to things now just makes the world. I don't want to use the word crazy. I'm trying really hard not to use it. Uh, chaotic. That's a better yeah. word. Because I mean, even myself is hard to. It's very you have to be. Because I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't really have social media on my. I, after I post mm-hmm. something, I just get off. And sometimes it hurts because you're not engaging with yeah. some people as I used to. 
Um, but I'm just sometimes I'm I'm not even mature enough myself to not go in and not judge. Like I mean, it could be a great mm-hmm. post, but I'm I'm thinking so deep. Like I'm getting meta. I know this dude. Why would he do that? Right. Oh, bro, he's he's feeding the homeless. Why is he posting pictures of feeding yep, the homeless? Yep. What he not even from that city? <laughs> right. Like what in the world? I know, dude. Right. The dude ain't really real. It's like he ain't a real dude. Like what? Why, G? Like you and you become every time I get on social media, I always become what I hate mm-hmm. to a certain ex- to mm-hmm. a certain extent. And we all do. It's so weird. Because even for me, like I have to catch myself if I'm about to, because people, like if you posted it and you wanted people to be entertained by this, okay. But if somebody posted this not on your behalf and is using this to villainize or bully or demonize you, that's something completely different. But I even have to check myself. Like if people send me stuff and I'm like, none of my business. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. They Okay. Mm-hmm. The sound, none, it's none of my business. Sorry. Like I, and, I don't want to, I'm not going and the power it has to 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 create narratives, like even and this is the hot topic, or not even hot topic no more, because topics don't last that long. No, no more. you know they don't. So, so even like with the Aisha Curry situation, like her her comments on a, a panel amongst peers, peers got taken. That pissed me off to a whole. That pissed me, Greg. That pissed me off so bad because when I finally got a chance to listen to it, I'm like, y'all bullied this girl for that. <laughs> for that like it, it wasn't even I get I get both sides and I get what people are saying but at the end of the day we are all human and we all seek attention in some shape or form just because you don't seek attention like I do does not make me any worse or better than you mm-hmm. but we love to look at somebody else and be like mm, when you know goodness well that you just put on such and such outfit for this person or you did this because you wanted this we can't act like we're exempt from other people, but because she was the one who decided to be vulnerable and say, okay, this is what I'm dealing with. Then we decided, oh, it's our job to make all these memes about you and make you feel even worse about the thing that you already feel bad about. So the thing is, and it's the, the wise old question, um, and we're, we'll, we'll jump after this to something else, but where do you think we go from here? Though? Because the social media is not going anywhere. It's getting more advanced, getting nuanced. Right. How can uh, it, it, there? There's probably a huge lane into this. Where, how how can you even get in the office sometimes? Because then you feel like you're elite. Like, oh, I don't social media doesn't bother me. <laughs> Look I don't at have me, social I'm media. I'm just great. Yeah, like, oh, gee, I'm like, I don't. Yeah, I don't. I, I just mentioned. Oh, yeah, I don't. I don't even do social media anymore. Like, I, I just when I post, like, who, it is like, all, who are you? All the peasantry. <laughs> the rest of you guys. Yeah, it's like then it's like so. Is it is it really just um. Is it just continuing self-awareness? Mm-hmm. I think it's just checking yourself because you can't change anything about anybody. And that's what I said. Like, if I'm reporting you too much, I just need to get out of your lane. Like, I don't need to follow your page. If this is what you want to post, great. That's your prerogative. But I don't have to sit here and watch it and take my time to report each individual post or story. Not my job. Mm. You got it. Continue. But even for me, I think just limiting your time on social media and you can control what pages you follow. I don't follow the shade room. Mm-hmm. I don't follow Ulala. I don't follow any gossip blogs, any of that. Nothing. Like I, I don't want the information because why is it my business who got a divorce or who's in a domestic violence situation or who lost their money or who's already dealing with all this stuff and now the world gets to talk about it too. That's, that's not my place. So I don't even mm-hmm. want to be involved in it. I may see something here and there if people send me stuff or if people post it on their stories, but I don't have to see it firsthand. And I can mm-hmm. decide whether or not I look at that. So I think just deciding what you want to allow into your space, your energy, setting boundaries, 
Um, I finally started using screen time on my iPhone for those of you who have iPhone. So my mm-hmm. phone say, okay, you use your time for the day. All right, time to get off. Uh-huh. Or sometimes I hit that, <laughs> remind me in 15 minutes, I'll come yep. back on. But other than that, it, you just really have to be conscious of it for yourself because you can't change the world. Mm. So we mentioned earlier in the show, and this is the next segment now, um, we mentioned earlier in the show that over the last couple of years, a lot of things have come, come rapidly. Um, a lot of things you wish for, i.e. the podcast, but also too, even before the podcast, last year, um, you started your own business. Can you so can you can you share with our audience and your your business name is Healthy Pleasures? Mm-hmm. And I remember the first time you selling, I was like, "What is this?" She's it's like selling sex toys. Yeah, no, I, I'm yeah, not. Yeah. <laughs> so one, it actually started out as a blog when I was in grad school. I was working out real heavy. I was real in a healthy mindset. At least I thought I was. Um, around that time too, I had gotten into a really bad car accident, which people know about it, but they don't know about the level of functioning it took for me, um, which goes back to a question you asked me earlier about how do you decide what affects you and what doesn't in therapy. This is a situation where I had to say, I can't take this case because this is too familiar for me. I got to step out. Um, But yeah, so I was in a car accident in 2013. I think it was right before I graduated. Um, but I got a concussion, hit hit the dashboard. That's why I have this Harry Potter scar on my nose because my face bust open on the dashboard. Sorry to give detail to people. I don't, I don't, I never see it. Maybe yeah, I, it's gotten I lighter now, but okay. for a while it was bad. Um, but the concussion, which this is why it's important for people to have knowledge and for us to spread awareness around mental health. Um, but it got so bad they had to put me on anxiety meds because I was freaking out all the time. They, um, <laughs> I would. I had to go home from grad school. I had to take a semester off from grad school, go home because I wasn't allowed to drive. I wasn't allowed to be by myself. Um, I couldn't talk so much so that I would stutter. Like you would think I was born with a stutter. And I would think I was saying one thing, but people would be looking at me like, what What are you talking about? I was making note like gibberish. I was not saying anything. So then I would just start crying because it's like, nobody's understanding what I'm saying. Um, so that's that. But then... I started the blog around that time, did all that stuff, was trying to get back into the right space, stopped the blog, of course, because then life was fine and better and I'm great and I'm in great shape. I'm eating well. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. I'll stop this for a little bit. Um, so then I just stopped altogether and then that was Healthy Pleasures and then it popped up on a memory because, of course, social media reminds yeah. us of everything now. <laughs> Nine years ago. And especially you remember. It's, it's the worst <laughs> when you're not going through a rough time. Right. You, like, you see yourself smile like, what, man? Get that, get that <laughs> I, out of I didn't here, ask man. you for this memory. That's why I took time hop off my phone. Yeah. Because it reminded you of pictures and stuff that you forgot you put up there. And now you're upset. Um, but anyway, so it popped up as a memory. And I was like, hmm, maybe I should restart this page again. So I did. But also around that time, I was at a job. I was burnt out. I was tired of doing therapy. I had been, I was in a position of leadership at that time. So I was dealing with a lot from a lot of different people because here I am as a young black female majority of my team of the people that I'm supervising are older than me. So that mm-hmm. was an issue. And I had a lot of issues with that down to um, being in a situation where I also thought somebody was going to kill me. They used to work for me, which sounds crazy, but yeah, it was that kind of situation. So dude, I was just, I was like, I'm ready to go. Like yeah, <laughs> This is yeah. not the place for me. Uh, I got to get out of here. There was some stuff with stuff that I cannot talk about because it's illegal right now. And I signed contracts and said that I wouldn't, but that yeah, kind of situation. a lot of yeah. stuff. Person that I thought was going to kill me. But anyway, so 
It's like, I got to figure out something different. I always said I wanted to do private practice anyway. So let me go ahead and jump out. So I actually did the stuff in Raleigh, applied for private practice, was starting on the application through the licensing board so I can get all that stuff done. And I went to an event that one of my friends was hosting and it was just a group of women that were all entrepreneurs or all like just doing their own thing. And so I think that was right around the time where I was either releasing my book or I had started announcing that it was coming out. And so just talking to the different women and just being in that atmosphere, I was like, hmm, maybe I won't do private practice right now. Maybe I'll just do the stuff with healthy pleasures and make this a real thing. And it won't just be about working out this time. This time we're going to throw in mental health and just stuff around that too. Like we're just going to make it whole mind, body and soul. Let's do that. I was like, okay, talk to people about it. Yeah, that sounds good. Cool. So I took that application now and submitted the one for healthy pleasures um, and then got approval for all that. And I was like, okay, I'll go the nonprofit route. So I'm waiting to hear back from approval around that. But then things just started happening and just started going. And just to clarify, it's healthy pleasures because I want it to be just like for mental health, just normalizing that it can be pleasurable to be in a good space or to feel good or to heal or to do work on yourself. Like it doesn't have to be something that we're scared of and like, oh, no, 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 I'm not doing this. Like, no, mm. you can enjoy growing and you can enjoy becoming who you want to become or looking the way that you want to look or feel or changing different patterns about yourself. It does not have to be this huge, ugly mm. elephant in the room. So what's your definition of a good space? Because I, I think about it all the time because like every day I check in and some days I'm like, am I in a good space? <laughs> or sometimes I think I need to empty, imagine like all your sins, all the things mm-hmm. you think you did wrong get passed. You have to clear out every single thing before you get in a good space and you clear out seven, but you're like, well, I just, I still haven't talked to that person and I don't know what's going mm-hmm. on. Like, what do you label now, knowing what you know now as a good space for you mentally? <laughs> Um, I really think it just depends on the person, to be honest, because even saying like you have to check all these things off. If you think you're going to check everything off and in life <laughs> and it's just going to be that, you're never going to be in a good space and you're yeah. still going to be in heaven, hell, wherever you go sitting like, dang, if I could have just done X, Y, Z, I yeah. would have been in a good space. So the biggest thing for me Cause I've tried to practice more of like mindfulness and meditation and just being present within myself. So I think being in a good space is just being present. Like if you feel how you feel, that's okay. But what are you going to do about how you feel? How are we going to get to a better place where things may still be happening, but you can cope with it. It's Mm -hmm. not throwing you off. You're not becoming a recluse and never talking to people for seven, eight months. Like, things are still going to come up, but how how are you managing that? What does that look like? What is your support system like? Are, are they supporting you? Or are they those friends that are sneak dissing and like, oh, they're just joking? Nah. Mm-hmm. What does that look like for you? So I think for me, getting in a good space was starting to change my mindset, starting to recognize that you're not this perfect person and girlfriend and friend and sister and daughter. You're not. There are some things that you bring to the table that are toxic for other people, just like they bring that for you. Okay, I know that now. So now I'm working on it. So now Mm -hmm. I'm in a better place for that. I'm not perfect, Mm -hmm. but now I'm in a better place and I'm working on it and I'm conscious of it. Mm -hmm. So I think just recognizing or the days where you fall short and it's like, did I beat myself up for this or did I say, dang, okay, mental note, let me not do that the next time. Because I think that's the other thing too that we were talking about earlier. Like 
oh no, I'm growing. So I, I'm grown. This is it. I don't, I don't need to do anything else to grow. I'm in that space. Like, no, things are still going to come to make sure that you develop what you said you were developing. That's just how mm. life works. Can't say you have a skill and you never put it to practice. Yeah. Nah, then you're not yeah. skilled. <laughs> nah, that's real. That's real. And um, I know we can, there's so many more questions <laughs> and things you could talk into that, but luckily you got your own podcast I now. Do. So they'll, uh, for the first season, I know it's high level, but it's still so many different crevices and different things mm-hmm. to discuss. So, yo, Code for the Culture, check that out to be able to really hear from her own perspective without me butting in and, and giving my own thing uh, from a lot of different angles, a variety of different tools, mm-hmm. especially because there's other people that you interview yes. that live certain things mm-hmm. as far as even, I'm talking about the incarceration podcast, yes. uh, which is freaking phenomenal. Yes. I When I picked, so I was selective about the people that I chose because like I feel like they would be good for this. But every single guest that I had surprised me because we are not a culture of transparency. Mm-hmm. And some of the things that people have gotten and you've listened and shared, mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, now we're going a different route with this conversation and I'm cool with it. You took it there. So let's go. But it's just like, there are people out here who are willing to talk about it and who are willing to be the testimony for other people to say, yeah, I dealt with this, but things are different for me now. Like I think about the entrepreneurship episode and then just the path for him and what that looked like. And um, the adoption, I think that's probably been one of the heaviest ones I've listened to Mm -hmm. where I was like, oh, that was deep. Okay. We, we getting into it. Like, this is really what people need to hear. And this will probably resonate with mm-hmm. a lot of people. Like that's a forgetting population. They need to know that this is what's happening. Um, But just, it really did surprise me to have people. And it made me happy because it's like, it's not just me talking about it and pushing it. Yes. I created the conversation, mm-hmm. but the guests for the most part, they, they made the show. Yeah, no, nah, as always, man. So um, last two questions before we go into the culture change rapid fire round. Uh, what advice would you give now to uh, the 21 version, 21-year-old version of yourself? <laughs> <laughs> man, 21, I was still a hothead. Uh, what would I tell myself? Choose you first. I think that's probably what I would tell myself. Because I'm thinking... 21 I was still like trying to prove who I was and I don't know yeah I was in a weird space at 21 I had just I think I graduated yeah 2011 so I was 21 when I graduated from college I'm just Mm -hmm. becoming an adult trying to figure that out oh now I'm adulting that's Mm -hmm. fun um but I think the biggest that would be the biggest thing that I would tell myself and also to be patient with myself and not let other people dictate who I am or what I'm supposed to be. Um, Cause with improving myself, like I did a lot of alterations to modify myself or to fit in where I was at or who I was with at the moment. And that just created a whole person that I didn't even know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would probably tell myself that just slow down. Yeah, sure. I could I could tell myself that now. Right. <laughs> it's like, hold up, that's that's uh that's tried and true. Cause even with the whole and that's the weird thing about even in, in business and entrepreneurship is that it comes a point where regardless of your age, where if you if you do it for a long period of time, you become to associate yourself with mm-hmm. that. But then what happens if there's a space where, well, shoot, you don't want to do that no more. Mm-hmm. And then maybe that's okay. But then now you may never go, you may spend 10 years or five years wrestling with that and creating toxic in every other space of your life mm-hmm. because 
you don't see yourself work with somebody because you told yourself, oh, you can't listen to nobody. Oh, you can't mm-hmm, listen to somebody. Mm-hmm. But you've in it, and that could be your help valve. Yeah. But there's a there's a lot of yeah. So entrepreneurship, and hopefully, I know going forward there'll be some more, especially season two. And uh, we going we definitely gonna set some stuff up with some workplace because there's a lot of workplace meta stuff mm-hmm. um, that people have to deal with. That is, uh, and we kill ourselves for a job. Yeah, yeah. And then when you get in the job, dealing with the dealing with the emotional magnitude of certain conversations, mm-hmm. dealing with people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a lot. It is a lot. It absolutely is, and how to manage that? Because, like I said, we'll kill ourselves for a job because we have to survive, and this is how I pay for things. But if you lose it and come to work and just go off, they'll mm-hmm. find somebody else tomorrow. Mm-hmm. But now you're here, depressed, anxious, worried about how you're going to pay your next bill. Now you may be suicide. Like, there are so many things that go. Because I told you, I had somebody who worked for me that I, I knew in my heart that he was going to try to kill me. Mm-hmm. Like, that's no place to want to work. It's time mm-hmm. to get out of there. So, yeah, I agree. There are a lot of stuff. In the workplace that we take or allow ourselves to take because that's our livelihood. What's your lasting legacy? I mean, I what's your last? What do you want your lasting legacy to be? Good God, that's what we right. Like yeah. today is the day. What do you want your last legacy <laughs> to be on the file? I hope y'all like the episode because this is it for her. What do I want my last legacy to be? Um, man, this is like a a hard thing to put in myself, but I'm dead set on breaking generational curses and generational trauma. Like, I, I'm not saying that the family that I create or the village that I create is going to end all things, but I at least want it to be the start mm-hmm. so that the next generation won't have to see what I saw. Mm-hmm. No, so that's, that's I think that's the thing for me, which also puts a lot of pressure on me because it's like, oh, you were the first one in the family to do this or you were the first one to do that. And it's like, wow, now I got to keep going because yeah. <laughs> this is what y'all want me to do. But also, I know that's what's needed. So... I want to break generational curses. I want to normalize mental health one person at a time and start doing things different. Mm. Well, that wraps that up. So our last round, our culture change round, I asked a series of five rapid fire questions and hopefully we get rapid fire answers. You ready to rock? Ooh, okay. (laughs) What's the best piece of advice that you have never received? Ooh. Oh, never received? Mm -hmm. Um, I'm going to say... As a kid or just growing up, how to deal with and manage emotions and not to be afraid of them. Because I think a lot of the times we are taught not to deal with it and just to keep pressing versus it's okay to be upset. It's okay to be sad. It's okay to be this. Like if you're anxious, that's okay. But how do you manage it? So like having more direction around just how to be a human. Like we got all the basic life stuff, how to survive, how to do that. But how do I survive being a human? Like that's the advice I would have loved to give. No shade to you, Ma. But Mm -hmm. that's... How do I navigate life mm. when I feel and think and have all these? Maybe sometimes I have a suicidal thought and I don't know where that came from. Like, where? Mm-hmm. How do I deal with that? What does that look like? Mm-hmm. Go to therapy. <laughs> mm. Question though, I, I I forgot to ask this. This is not a part, this is not of, a part the, of the rapid, rapid fire. fire. <laughs> uh, I know you mentioned meditation. Are you a big proponent of of of, of people meditating in some in some aspect, or is it more so the psychology behind meditation you're proponent all as far as being being aware and things of that nature. Uh, I definitely think for me it's being aware um, and just sitting. I, a lot of times I'll use it at work. Like if I'm just feeling really worked up or if I had a session where it's like that was a lot for me. So I just need a minute. 
to get back right or if I'm about to do something. Like I meditated a little bit before this because even though I've recorded 100 episodes, not 100, but I was still anxious about doing this. So like, okay, you're anxious, but this is why you're anxious. Like this is Mm -hmm. a good opportunity. Okay, so Mm -hmm. let's think about that. Let's be present in how that feels and not what you're afraid of. Mm -hmm. So I think for me, it's more so like just not running from, because I'm always in my head, like always. My mind goes a thousand miles a minute. Mm-hmm. So just trying to slow that down. Mm, that's that's different. I never thought about it and being present mm-hmm. in a particular feeling. Yeah. So not being pre- present, like you can be present in the feeling of whoa. After this episode, I think it's gonna be a great episode. Let me be present in this is a great episode yeah. rather than be a present in I'm anxious if if this goes wrong or if this mm-hmm. doesn't get out right or if I was like I, I feel yeah. you. Wow. Because we're conditioned to be fearful and not grateful. Is that why is that you think is that that's probably a God thing? Ah. Uh, I don't know as much as it's like our life experiences shape how we view the world. So based off what my experience is, is how my brain is wired versus yours. Because a lot of people mm-hmm. don't know that when you experience trauma or anything that was like super scary or life changing for you, the structure of your brain changes so that you now know how to deal with life from being traumatized. It's crazy, right? Yeah, that is crazy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because I, I mean, quite, quite frankly, I was thinking of that earlier. Earlier today, but even last week, where I've always felt that, and you read my book back, and there was a there was a day where I was I was I was I was, I was suicidal for a while, mm-hmm. and I I called my mom, and she had picked me up, but I realized that every time I really feel like I get close to a real business breakthrough, mm-hmm. like a breakthrough, I believe is a breakthrough, yeah. and that's different. People, oh, you already broke through? Nah, I, I feel like we nah. This <laughs> we ain't got some to the other top stuff. Yet. Yeah, there's still some other stuff. But a part of me always feels like, um, and we we we're working through mm-hmm. it. But it feels like you'll never get past the hump. Yeah. Like you always get. I've always in my life got to the, and we never pass. Mm-hmm. And it's like that that being in that apartment all those months, that fundamentally shaped me like that. Yeah, I, I, it's nine, seven, eight, mm-hmm. eight years ago. Mm-hmm. But to this day, it's like we still have yet to get past that mountaintop because yeah. you always have, you've always think that. It's gonna fall back, and it's like, mm-hmm. hold up! Everything else could be going your way, but then one, one thing, one thing, and then all of a sudden, now you automatically go into a different mode. Mm-hmm. So it is crazy how it really. But luckily, there are methods yeah. where you can cope with it. Yeah, correct? you cope with it. You address it, and mm-hmm. that's the key that we all miss: is we keep going. Like mm-hmm. I'm even thinking about when I got in my accident. As scary as that was for me, because it was rough for like months, I didn't get therapy for that. Mm-hmm. And it's like that changed your life. Like you thought you were going to die that night. Like you could not talk. You could not walk. You couldn't do anything by yourself. You were not allowed to drive. That's life altering. Like you essentially were a toddler for three months. But I never went. And that's the thing for most of us is, oh, that was just that. But I'm good now. I've healed. I, I got a mm-hmm. little scar or whatever. But. You know, life goes on. It's cool. And we don't sit and say, dang, now every time you get in the car, you're afraid that you're going to die. Because mm-hmm. that was a, it for me a long time, too. Because now I've been conditioned to when you get in the car, accidents happen because I've been in several serious accidents and you, you might die. Like one day that's going to happen and you're going to die. So I think just acknowledging that and recognizing that we when we go through things in life, we have to address them. We cannot ignore them. Avoidance mm-hmm. makes everything worse mm-hmm. because then it's just in your head all the time now you're having nightmares now you're thinking about it now you're thinking about it when you don't want to think about it 
Now you're being triggered by things that you don't even understand by why you're being triggered. But then we chop it up to personality. Oh, that's just how I am. No, Mm -hmm. something happened. And now this is how you operate. How do we fix that? Or how do we change it so that you can function better? So really, technically, a lot of people really could be, they could really, their current self right now, somebody that's listening, that could not really, a lot of them, that's not who they really are. Mm A lot of us just walk around a day-to-day basis. I don't want to put a percentage on it, but I mean, if we looked at who we really are, we're so far from it because we live with all these scars yep. that have never been hit. Yep. And it's like no amount of fitness, mm-hmm. eat your right. Mm-hmm. You can have podcast. the this body yeah. and mine gone. <laughs> like gone. Think about the people who are famous. You wanted fame. You wanted to be the top person. Dang, you overdose. Like what? Why were you even using something that hard that would cause you to overdose? That's how you were coping. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's no judgment to anybody, but we get all of these unhealthy coping mechanisms and just chop it up to, well, that's just how I handle it. Oh, they're just quiet. They, they don't like to talk about how they feel because they're up here in their head and they're trying to figure mm-hmm. it out. You're not going to figure it out up there by yourself, especially if you're having suicidal thoughts, because that's going to try to drain out everything else that you're trying to get through. Like none mm. of us are exempt from anything. And we all think that would never happen to me. Oh, I'm good. I'm, I don't, pfft, what? Trauma? No, that don't exist in my world. Mm. I'm strong. Like, mm. yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot with that. <laughs> um, if you could add one habit and take away one habit, what would they be? Mm. If I could take away one habit, it would be not to worry about everything. Mm-hmm. And, If I would add in, it would probably be to replace that, which would just be to take things as they come and deal with them as they come and not try to predict the future because all the thoughts that you're having probably won't happen because that's how anxiety works. It makes you think about things that do not exist. Mm -hmm. May the source, (laughs) the original source be true. Yes. But everything else that you think up until that point, no. Mm. Like that's not like even I'm thinking about when I did the live podcast with you in January, the whole time I'm walking up, I was like, girl, you're going to fall. You're going to fall in front of all these people <laughs> and you're just going to fall. You're going to bust your head open. You're going to do, or you're going to stutter the whole time you're talking. None of that happened. Uh-huh. It's all just, you're fearful. So let's go ahead and take that fear out. Let's be grateful one thing at a time. That's what yeah. I would change. Yeah. Fearful, grateful. Wow. So what is your favorite book or movie and why? Um, I've always loved The Notebook which I know is sappy for a lot of people. I don't know. I think it's just like a, I'm a person that loves love, like just like genuine, authentic. So I always liked that movie. I also liked it in college. So I was at a different place, but I still like it. Um, If I like to laugh, Bridesmaids, the scene on the plane (laughs) cracks me up every single time. Me and my best friend will repeat all the quotes from that movie. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's just because it makes us feel good, I guess, is why I like that one. Mm. Yeah, nothing deep. <laughs> uh, what's your biggest fear? Failure. And I know that sounds cliche, but it is. But more uh-huh. not failure like, oh, I'm not going to do what I want to do with healthy pleasures or I'm not going to do it. But failure like within myself, like mm-hmm. I didn't give myself the opportunity to be who I can be. Mm-hmm. I got stuck. I got scared. So I stopped working on that. And now this is just who I am. Like that's I don't want to be that. Like I don't want to finally have kids and start a family and I'm still at zero to a thousand cannot do that. I, that's not what I want to give them because now I'm just giving them the same thing that I said I didn't want to. So I think that is 
kind of how I see failure and not necessarily goal wise like most of us mm, do. So just getting to a place and then now once you get to the place, sometimes you can be locked into a bad place because now you're thinking if you made a mistake, I, I, I get it because it can be even more fearful. It's like, okay, once, like you said, mm-hmm. once you get the kids and now all of a sudden the first two years, maybe you are hot, not first two years, probably the toddler yeah. years. You, the little kid, you ain't going to be that. But two to five, mm-hmm. now you're jumping off. And then at five, you're looking like, dang, what have I become? Right. And they never change. Right. Because you're like, well, it's already done now. Yeah. And now you created kids in that environment. So now you perpetuated the cycle. Now they're angry too. I don't If you were the president of the United States, what's the first thing you would do? Um, Increase financial funding for mental health treatment Mm -hmm. and resources and stop putting money into the prison system and put more money into rehabilitation than to locking people in cells and cages. Yeah, because right now we're dealing with a Medicaid reform where they're going to try to take away a lot of our resources and a lot of our money to outsource it to other things, and then they wonder why things are going the way that they go. Yeah, I was listening. I've all everybody always hears about the hole, but yesterday I was I don't know how I got to talk about the hole. I don't know who I was talking to that we we mentioned it, but the hole is literally somebody kind of described it, Mm -hmm. and it's like the size of this desk. In the sum, there's all different, but it's like a desk. There's no light, mm-hmm. and you could be in there for some people a day, some people multiple days. Mm-hmm. I'm like, how? In prison, no, yeah. Yeah, like, how does that? Yeah. I, they dehumanize people in prison. Like, people develop mental health diagnosis from, like, you can't be in the dark for too long or by yourself. Like, we thrive off of human interaction with, like, that's how we thrive. Think about when you are, even for me, like if I'm, in, I do not like sleeping in the dark. I'll be the first person to say that I have a nightlight and I do not care <laughs> because the dark will play tricks on you. Like there's even research around if you look at yourself in the dark in the mirror for a certain amount of time, it'll start to alter what you see. Imagine being in a dark room by yourself for like days and hours at a time. That would make anybody lose it. Mm-hmm. But try that The mirror thing It'll scare you though I'm not about to try that <laughs> I, I was thinking it. about that right now I tried hey, it no. And I did a post on Facebook To see what other people's Experiences were You will scare yourself Man Scare yourself I'll probably die in there <laughs> Man I've seen that candy man Like what right. Come on bro Like I believe I don't believe in that stuff But, but it, could, are spirits. it could be true Hey get <laughs> spirits man Like God didn't know There's spirits and demons Still on this earth A lot of people don't believe that uh, hey, well, hey, nah. I would, nah. I don't know, man. They, they can, they can have that. So no, I'm with you. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely. I mean, you've seen mm-hmm. it. You, you probably as a therapist, you've probably seen a lot. But there, there are demons. But and that's my my opinion and my thoughts on that. <laughs> my people, my scholars out there, are like what? Gee, no, we just here for the interview. <laughs> All right, so we done with the culture change round, man. I have one last question. Every every single person that comes on the show is a culture change agent in their own right, in their own lane. So this one goes to that. If you could change one thing about society, most specifically our African-American culture, what would it be and why? To be more vulnerable and allow ourselves to feel and within our own vulnerable place to be more compassionate and less judgmental to other people because their issue could easily become our issue and then how are we going to look at it? Then you're going to want compassion from somebody. Then you're going to want somebody to understand. But if you just offer that from the beginning, then that's easier to get versus falling and being in a place where you've been judging people all this time and they know you've been judging and now you want help. So that's what I would say. I'm big on letting people be human these days. Like I appreciate people who are authentic, authentically themselves. If you want to dance out in the middle of the floor 
and look the way you look and do what you do. That's you. You happy and you enjoying your life. They don't have nothing to do with me. Mm-hmm. If you want to become somebody else, that's on you. It does not affect my life. Like, just be yourself. Don't mm-hmm. let nobody take that away from you. Mm-hmm. So, man, like I said, this was a a very, a very, like, phenomenal show with different pockets of different information of, of, of mantras, mindsets. And this is just a taste. This is like, I mean, I'm going to scare people. It's like 50% of what you're going to get <laughs> at the, in the code for the culture where... And, and on some episodes, probably Timberson. This is diluted. Like that one is <laughs> watered down. More, yeah, that's more like the uh, what's the what's the alcohol people used to uh, have in college where um, it's dangerous. The ah, dangerous ah, one, um, Everclear. Everclear. Yeah, like we like the the liqueur. Right. Four <laughs> the, the, <logo>. Yeah. <laughs> the hell no. Four loco like an Everclear. People die before well, a loco. What is worse, four loco or Everclear? That's not that's not what the show is about. That's not yeah, what the show is about. Pro- probably four loco. <laughs> Four loco, like the original four loco mm-hmm. was the rat poison. You could you could literally die. Yeah. Like I had two of them mm-hmm. one night, and I woke out. And what was, happened? I don't know. It was all a yeah. blur. Yeah, yeah. Everclear, it just put you out. <laughs> it should. I don't know. It makes some it people angry. I, I can imagine. I remember all those Riverwalk days. You wouldn't even see mm-hmm. Jesus. You weren't that far mm-hmm. off. Like Everclear and all those parties and people. Man, I, I, I pray for our students, students out there, and they y'all know a lot of mature students listen to this. Yeah, don't don't let's be drinking all alcohol no. from anybody, especially as you get older too. Right, please. make smart decisions. Yeah, like I mean, imagine, it, man, I'm at a party, people just handing you cups. You good? Like, no, you're not. You don't good. know what's in there. <laughs> but that's definitely not here, man. So, <laughs> Tiana, can you share with us uh, where we where people can find more information about you, what you do, and all that good stuff outside of? Remember, every single Wednesday. Um, until we go until the end of season one so we got about four months of great content coming at you Code for the Culture podcast available by the time of this episode on all platforms but outside of that where can they find more information about you Healthy Pleasures um, your book and all that good stuff so I'm currently revamping my uh, not episode uh, website so I kind of don't want to give that but I'm going to give it anyway so that is www.healthypleasuresinc.org that has all the information about the organization. Um, I haven't added stuff up there yet about the podcast, but I will add stuff about there about that. Links to buy my books are up there. Um, we talked about that earlier. I have a journal that I wrote for women in particular to help around their journey to self and self-awareness um, and self-love. And then I also have two self-care planners, one that I created for men, which is a cult for the culture, but women can still buy that too. Um, and then for the love of self-care, which just promotes self-care on a weekly, daily, monthly basis and not just a hot topic or this is how I'm going to take care of myself today. No, you have to take care of yourself every day. Um, so that's my website. I'm also on social media on Instagram at Healthy Pleasures Inc. All mm-hmm. one word. Um, I'm on Facebook. I keep trying to change the name, but it will not let me. So it is <laughs> Healthy Pleasures dash Tiana. Um, I don't know why it will not let me change it I do not know why Um, so that's on Facebook I'm also on Twitter but I don't really use Twitter it's more so I just whatever I post on Instagram goes straight to Twitter and Uh that's H Pleasures Inc yeah okay so I think those are all mine and then email yeah I mean healthypleasures at gmail.com healthypleasuresinfo at gmail.com all right well hey minority trouble is a nation you know what to do 
after this episode, definitely send a thank you, blah, 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 all that good stuff. And definitely check out the Code for the Culture podcast coming every single Wednesday to you live and direct, man. So my notice your blessing nation, I need you to do two things and two things only. Number one, make sure you tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend and leave a review. And then number two, make sure you're changing the freaking culture. Good night.